in this uh, pe <coughs> period of uh, time uh, with you. I would like to speak to you about the um, four postures of mindfulness. Just take a step back into the uh, past for a moment or, or two. Amongst the many rather radical changes with regard to the Buddha's teachings is to make a shift from religious orthodoxy which carries with it and still does much in the way of belief belief in a book, sacred book belief in the guru the uh, belief in the uh, outlook on life, belief in what happens to me after I die, etc. And a shift away as well from the usual values of uh, secular culture, often around status, position, success, ownership and being a well-adjusted human being. And in that shift away, moved away from faith, faith in what secular culture has to offer us, faith in terms of the present and future, faith in what religious beliefs have to offer us, present and future, and put much more emphasis on an exploration uh, of life, brought into it various features, and one of them, it's not the only one, it's not the important one, it is just one of them, mindfulness. And mindfulness is, in its meaning, in its, uh, the word sati, in the Pali language, the language of the Buddha, Shamruti, similar word, in the language of Sanskrit there, its meaning is in reference to being mindful of what is unfolding in the present. It is also and equally important to be mindful of what is with regard to the past, to the near past especially, and the way that the past influences the present. Our habits, our conditions, our tendencies, our old views, our perceptions or whatever. So when we are speaking of uh, mindfulness, we are giving care and attention through the four postures to the present, but we are also and equally important, particularly in some aspects of the experience of the present, what influenced this which is arising in the present? What sparked this? What are the causes and conditions which brought this about in the present? And therefore, it's to be mindful of that, it is not enough 
just to be mindful in the here and now without judging it. It's not an adequate view. And th this exploration of the four uh, postures is such that it also made a shift away, and it's an important uh, one for all of us. There was a view, actually it's, it's still a shadow in the, in the Buddhist tradition, unfortunately. There is a kind of view that if we sit and meditate till the cows come home, that at some point in sitting and meditating, long enough and deep enough, we'll get liberated, we'll get enlightened, etc., and rather, um, unfortunately, in terms of the uh, archetypes, when as the, the Buddha images, uh, there as you can uh, see uh, behind me, and I've seen a few since I was last year, have grown in the garden as well uh, there. And it tends to send out an image and a picture, understandably enough, oh, Sitting meditation, especially cross-legged posture, that's what it's all about. Oh no, it's not. It is just a statue. And in this particular one, where the uh, right hand in the statue behind me, in that posture, sitting posture, hand is on the knee, the uh, fingers are pointing towards uh, the uh, earth. It's a, a mudra, that means a hand posture, which indicates uh, there that the Buddha said, in the realization of what liberation is, what authentic freedom is, and the wisdom that is, he says, the earth is the witness to this. Not relying upon G-O-D up there in the clouds. The, the earth, in the immediacy of life, in living on this earth, is the authentic uh, realisation. So the hands pointing down to the uh, ground there is the mudra, the hand signal, the indica uh, indicator. It also points out to us as, as uh, well that human beings in the activities of our daily life are engaged much of the time in what, not all the time, but in one of the four postures. And so it was a shift in giving importance, rather an exaggerated importance, to just sitting meditation uh, there, and sometimes one has the standing posture and if you just see the leg forward from the other leg in some of the statues, it's the walking posture and there's also the reclining posture as well. So the artistic tradition has remembered this. What is meant by that is that all four postures human beings engage in and each one of those postures is really valuable because it's our life. Because our life is engaged in these postures. <clears throat> our, some movement, of course, between uh, uh, one and the uh, other.
and different uh, expressions. So I'd just like to speak to you a little about uh, each of the four uh, postures. And to remember, though clearly it is a little more formal in the retreat uh, environment, but it doesn't take a major adjustment to remember, this is a sati remembering, that though it is formal here, but nevertheless in the daily life, we're sitting, we're walking, we're standing, we're reclining, and each one of those is worthy of our presence and our consideration and our, uh, our reflection. And with the sitting um, uh, posture that takes place, that it's a small attention to the details uh, in life, which um, really, um, really, really matter. It's, it's the little, the refinement of the being which really contributes to a real depth of insight and uh, understanding. And so the teachings are constantly um, pointing from the gross uh, towards more subtlety. So that small example which I mentioned to you uh, uh, yesterday uh, uh, evening of just moving the body a little taller, expanding the hips a little bit, expanding the whole being, and this will help and contribute to the energy flowing and a little bit more feeling of presence. And sometimes when we're feeling in life a little bit low, whatever it might be about, a bit down, a bit heavy with the circumstances uh, of life. It could be just the modest, small change in the posture to spreading in, sitting tall, sitting upright. Immediately, there can be some feeling of change in view and attitude. When we're feeling a bit low and a bit heavy with circumstances, the weight in the mind, and it is a weight in the mind, begins to have a weight. I oh God, life is so hard, I'm feeling so low, life is really getting on top of me. And a few minutes later, one is climbing into the bed and pulling the sheet over one head, over one's head. So the change of the posture there, I was sitting on... Um, uh, um, an aeroplane I try to do is minimal, it's not easy in this kind of job. And maybe once every year or two I find myself in a conversation with the passenger sitting next to me. I avoid conversations on planes <coughs> as much as possible. Uh, uh, there. Um, the, the guy sitting next to me um, was the first officer on one of these flights. He'd just been to Jerusalem, his brother just got he's from Germany, his brother just got married to an Israeli, he went to the wedding, and he's on um, uh, the, the flight uh, uh, back. <coughs> and <clears throat> I 
So he told me what he did, and I just made a small comment to him. I said to him, it's the safety record of aeroplanes is just incredible. I mean, the sheer number of flights day in and day I don't take flights to the continent. I, uh, uh, go on the train, by the way. And so the sheer number of flights is phenomenal. And he said, he said to me, this particular plane, I've no idea what the plane is, but this particular plane that um, um, we are on, I think it was an yeah, easy jet flight, or as I call it, not so easy jet flight. And he said, it, it lands and it takes off somewhere in the, mel- somewhere in the world, this model aeroplane, Every two or three seconds. Just this one model. And I said, how come it that it's so safe? My um, nephew is a pilot. I talked with him about it. They land. They've got 40 minutes to do the... Close everything off. Then another 40 minutes to do the preparation for the next takeoff because the only money is made in the air, etc. There. He said, it is so finely tuned. If anything, just a little bit is going wrong. Any little indication of en- anything. All the attention, this is the mindfulness, all the mindfulness goes on it to make sure it is going to be fine and safe for everybody. And I thought, why aren't human beings living like this? How come we are able to have millions of flights around the world, 99.99% working well, safely and effectively, and our lives are so screwed up. What are we as human beings? What on earth are we doing? And so this noticing the subtle indications, the whispers, the small voice inside. Something is needing our attention. Something is needing our mindfulness, needing our interest. And because we ignore, because we neglect, and then we wondered, why am I feeling like this? Why am I stressed out? Why am I unhappy? Why is it I can't deal with this problem? And one of the reasons is it's been ignored. It's been quietly gathering a pressure. It's gathering a momentum. And then the outcome of that is at some point things get on top of us. Or we find that we're struggling or we're uncertain about what our future will be, or what will last, or what won't last. It doesn't happen out of the blue. It's not a God-given event. There is neglect. There is forgetfulness. There is taking things for granted. There is dependency on results. I'll speak to you about that this afternoon. And much, much more. But the whispers are there. 
just like the pilots and the engineers and the technicians and, uh, and the crew and the ground staff, they're listening. When we came into land, he said, just, let, just listen. It was a kind of, like a guided meditation it was with this <laughs> And he said, just listen to the, the change in the sound of the engine. And he said, this sound indicates the pilot is doing this. He said, you see that light just flickering there? That's a signal to the, uh, um, the flight, at, uh, flight attendants to get, to get prepared in X number of minutes. He said, listen to this sound. This is the preparation for the wheels beginning to come out. Listen to this sound. Listen to this sound. Now the engine is getting lower and slowing down. Wow, 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 wow. He said, now listen to this. It's just, it's just going to touch down. Boom. Because he's mindful. He's listening. He's attuned. He's trained in that. This is a training as well. A training to land on this earth well and clearly. Not with a crash. <laughs> you get it? All right. <laughs> so with the four postures uh, there, we are interested with the mindfulness and the meditations. One, of course, is of the body. Also have to listen uh, to the body, to the messages of the body, the health of uh, the body, the energies of the body, the well-being as part of our practice. That, for some of us, will bring about changes in the diet. Much of human health is tied up with what is on the end of our fork. What is on the end of the spoon. Much of our health is related to what I pick up and I put in this tiny little hole between my nose and my chin. And sometimes we become mindful of that. In our looking in our relationship to the body and, and mindfulness uh, uh, of the uh, sitting posture, such as when eating and uh, when just sitting in the quiet as well. So really just quietly stay in touch. We are not looking for anything specific or particular. We're just, we're human. We're alive. We're conscious human beings. And we have the opportunity just to experience sitting on the earth, quietly, in the silences of things, in the stillness of things, and just being receptive to breathing and the body. There's a certain trust, of course there is. There's a certain trust, if I do this, I'll be much more receptive to the signals, because I'm present. The signals of the happiness and the joy, and recognising that. The signals of feeling at peace with myself and at peace with life and the indicators of that. The signals which may come through certain thoughts. I need to take notice of this. I've got something to learn and see here. I've got something to be more mindful and careful uh, about. I don't want to neglect nor forget this. I don't want to take the other for granted. 
I don't want to take myself for granted. I don't even want to take life for granted. In our meditations, with the sitting posture, for our, um, <clears throat> as mentioned, cross-legged, kneeling, chair, whatever feels uh, appropriate uh, uh, for you. The mindfulness of the uh, breathing has a variety of values uh, to it. One is, in fact, it's a reminder of connectedness. We are drawing in the air from our environment. We can't live without the air. It might last two or three or four minutes. So the air element reaches us as a human being, we draw in the air, the oxygen goes into the body and we release the air back out into the environment, back out into the world. So one aspect is the interconnectedness um, and the reminder of it through mindfulness of breathing. Another factor uh, as well, that it might be necessary in the mindfulness of breathing, at times, to breathe in a little bit longer and deeper. So we mindfully breathe in, make it a little bit longer and deeper, to bring the oxygen into the cells. And it is important in the daily life to ensure that with the mindfulness of the breathing in and out, that there are times, and that may be some through some form of uh, exercise to, on the daily basis so that the cells of the, and the oxygen have a relationship. There's little or no exercise in the daily life, little or no stretching out of the body there. The cells of the body will not get enough oxygen. And when those two elements, the earth element, that is the cells, and the oxygen are not having enough contact, that means the cells from the head down to the toes, and including the brain cells, there, when there's not enough contact, there's going to be a price for this, there's going to be a consequence for this. And that recognition of the interdependence, a key concept, interconnectedness, same thing uh, there, of consciousness, in this case being conscious of breathing in and out, oxygen coming into the body, the cells of the body, and that those meetings of the three, both in just the sitting posture as well as in other activities, enlivens the being. It contributes to uh, wake, uh, waking up and we need we're at the ward house from the edge of the forest here my goodness me for our health we cannot be healthy without those big plants out there those big plants absorb an immense amount of carbon dioxide those big plants they generate the oxygen my daughter said to me, Dad, I've moved out of London 
because there are no streets, no trees in my street. I can't live without trees. He brought up in Totnes, lots of trees around. And moved out. And now I was in a street with about a hundred trees in it. Healthy for her, healthy for the kids. So if you're thinking about moving, make sure you look outside the window first. <laughs> it might be more important than what's inside the property. That sense of the stillness of the posture, the receptivity to the breath, and another factor is it's a practice of seeing impermanence. To, to, to witness change. And the witnessing of change cannot come through a theory, oh, like the Buddhists would say, oh, everything is changing. And something changes, but they can't handle it. Understanding of change comes through experience. It comes through watching it. It comes through being mindful of it. It comes through contact with it. And one of the most clear and effective ways of that is with the breath. So we're not just being mindful of breathing, we're mindful of breathing in, we're mindful of the change which is breathing out. We're mindful of the breath coming and we're mindful of the breath going and we're experiencing it. Haven't made it up, it's not a good idea, it's a fact. And that witnessing of that will contribute to an understanding of it because human problems and human issues in life are about what arises, what stays and what passes. The breath arises, stays for a few moments, breathe out, it passes. Human issues are about the relationship to what arises, what stays, and what passes. And if you can think of an issue which is not about that, let me know. I haven't found it. Sometimes what arises, we're very happy about, but we may not be so happy that it keeps staying. And we may not be very happy that it passes. And sometimes what arises for us no thank you. And the longer it stays, a bigger no thank you. And when it goes, etc. The relationship to what arises and what stays and what passes is of critical importance to human to humanity. That's a theory. Our own breath is arising, staying and passing. And it might be that we come to the end of our life and may it be we have enough calm and enough clarity and enough understanding we can be with the last outgoing breath of our life and we're not fighting it. And as I said to one of my friends, I will not be very pleased if I die in my sleep. Having done all of this practice, <laughs> <laughs> for most of my 
most of my life, since my early 20s, at least I want the privilege of going out consciously on the last breath. But I may not get it. Anything could happen. We'll see. <clears throat> so if we really dedicate our time and hours that we are here with the sitting meditation to really mindfulness of breathing, oxygen into the cells, consciousness of all of that uh, process, really recognizing we're drawing from the environment the oxygen, we're, we, we feel our love and our empathy for the trees. It's often said in the Buddhist, Buddhist tradition, the Buddha, born under a tree in a park, awakened under a tree there, died under a tree there, kind of reminder, symbolic, an actual uh, uh, reminder of the deep, profound relationship of human beings with trees. What we see out there uh, is the standing posture deeply rooted in the earth and it's the sangha of the trees it's a privilege to stand with those trees to be part of that connection with the earth the hand touching the ground so we make our sitting meditations through uh, the day if in the course of the sitting period it gets rather painful and difficult at times do of course make some mindful, conscious change in the posture. If it is painful in the sitting posture, sometimes we can quietly breathe through it. Quietly breathe through it. Breathe in, breathe out. <coughs> Feel if we can breathe through it. If you find, however, it's like a struggle, you find you're fighting the body, change the posture. And you're not going to get a certificate at the end of the retreat I endured a nightmare in the sitting posture <laughs> so in the posture uh, uh, itself the relaxation there and gradually with the relaxation it will provide a certain strength in a way and sometimes through the calmness of the being the energies will flow and we find we do develop a greater capacity to deal with pain. Greater capacity to be able to work uh, with it. And this will make a wonderful contribution to the reduction of the obscene profits of the pharmaceutical industry. The second area uh, is the walking uh, posture, which here can be outdoors or indoors, and attitude and view in these teachings matter as much as the event. If you can remember this, the attitude and the view, but is really keen on the way we view things, and the event. So the event is the walking. Quite often, humanly enough, with the event in daily life, the walking may be to reach the destination. It might be there. And the destination, however, 
can carry a lot of thinking about before we get there. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? What will it be like? Etc. We then get out of touch with the event, which is the walking, because the mind is obsessing and chattering and speculating and thinking about what it's going to be like when we get there. We have enough to deal with with the walking. We'll attend to that when we're there. Or we've done enough, if it's something really important, you're going for a, a job interview or whatever, you might need to do some research or some reflection. You're going to have a, an important conversation with your partner because you've fallen in love with somebody else. So you may have to reflect a little bit about how one can handle that skillfully. Good luck. Uh, Etc. So sometimes the destination needs some preparation. Of course it does. But sometimes it is just the habit of talking about what's going to happen when I get to him, her, this or that. Just It's that sheer habit. Habit takes away your energy. Habit is tiring. Habit is just the old coming into the present, not very helpful, not very supportive. It robs you of peace of mind. It robs you of your concentration. It robs you of the potential to deal well with a situation because sometimes the past is not helpful. It's just the past. So the view, the attitude, the first two links in the Eightfold Path, if you like it in that kind of detail, the intentionality. Here, it's walking up and down so there isn't a destination it's just the walking up and down it's giving priority to the process of the walking it isn't easy and quite often quite regularly people on the retreats will say to me ah I can't get anything out of walking tragic can't get anything out of walking well amputate your legs I mean can't get anything out of walking so it's rather forgive the analogy anyway no don't forgive so in the walking meditation walking is a precious human experience we only need whether in the hall outside of your new room or it's going to be an extended summer's uh, uh, weekend. There's always that little bit of concern these days with appreciation for a lovely day in the middle of October. Oh my God, <laughs> you know, etc. Not easy to deal with these. What a lovely day. Oh, but the weather, climate change. Oh, what a lovely day. Oh, but the weather and climate change. Life is not quite comfortable. And... If you are outside or if you're inside, it's a quiet discipline to be able to walk as a conscious human being on this earth, up and down, to take short steps, to slow down the whole being. You may have lots of doubt. Why am I doing this? Or whatever. It might take for a little while 
a little bit of trust. Yeah. It's not something that this teacher dreamt up. The practice of mindfulness of walking meditation had been going on for two and a half thousand years. Actually, long before that, of course. And there are some situations where people do it naturally. A person, she or he, has really something on their mind. And just make some time just to walk up and down, walk up and down. I've done it myself, as the Buddha said. Before his awakening, he had a lot of fear and anxiety uh, in him. Um, when walking up and down in the forest and if I may say I had a, a very small reminder uh, uh, of this I've been in the process of writing about my um, 10 years uh, in the east and I remember when the, the American or the American government military were making war on the people of Vietnam then another secret bombing war on the people of Laos this was 19... I was there, 1968. So, uh, travelling up actually in an, in an army vehicle when this war was going on in Laos, and while and then we got off in this Vien Tian Vang, it's in the central of Laos, and then we saw this track through the jungle. And I said, I said, I said with a friend of mine, I said, I said to him, Look, there's a track through the jungle, it's got to lead somewhere. Let's go off there, you know, a couple of fifties, you know, I was in my early twenties, and off we went, walking and walking and walking and walking, and the track went on and on, and then it's beginning to get a little dark, and we're in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of nowhere, uh, there. And then, I heard in the forest what was, I wasn't quite sure initially what it was, but it's like a bark coming from the voice deep, deep inside. Right? It's a very deep kind of bark. And I went, oh, shit. Tiger. <laughs> Lots of tigers in the jungle. Right? And it's getting dark. <laughs> kind of deep. It's like a bark come yawn of this, probably, uh, uh, the tiger. And then we're still walking along, the sun is going down, and then suddenly we see two guys in black, both with, sitting on the path with rifles. Oh, God, what now? Uh, they were surprised to see us, we were even more surprised to see uh, them. And they're out hunting. Yeah. Buddha, coming, coming back to the story, but he's doing, walking up and down, walking up and down. He doesn't say what the reason was. The probability was tiger. And sometimes it generates, as he said, some fear and terror inside. And of course how easy it is to identify with the fear and terror, anxiety. And for some, naturally or as a practice, a contribution is to really walk up and down and walk up and down and walk up and down, as he said, until the fear and terror had gone out of him.
to keep the energy moving, walking up and down, to walk through it and to really have a sense of coming out of it. And sometimes some of us in different situations in life, whatever it could be, from the breakup of a relationship to a deeply a loved one who has died, to a loss of a job, to an unfortunate circumstance, we really feel the anguish of it. We really feel upset uh, uh, with, with, with it all. And sometimes what we can do as a human being, if we can't share it with another, we can't hear the good friendship or counsel of another, what we can do is just walk up and down, walk up and down, walk up and down, walk up and down. And that can really help just move through these difficult experiences. Sitting meditation walking meditation and the support of that as mentioned earlier has the opportunity to come why? because we've practiced it and sometimes people have said to me oh Christopher I, I tried it and I say how long did you try it? well I tried it all day yesterday or all day today no you, you, you do lots of it lots of it lots of it and uh, remember when years ago the Dalai Lama came to, be, be, before he became a superstar, in the 1980s he came to uh, speak on a couple of my uh, retreats in India. I can't remember much of what he said, but I do remember a one-liner that he said. He said, do this practice this was the encouragement do this practice for three years and if you don't get anything out of it if it's not beneficial try Christianity <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mentioned it just uh, recently I can't remember a blog or something or other and a friend of uh, a friend of mine a really karma friend said thank God for Buddhism <laughs> Quite often there's this very kind of easy, generous kind of non-missionary viewpoint. Or as Ajahn Buddha Dasa said to me, uh, my old teacher, said to me years ago, this is um, uh, ages and ages ago, he said another similar interesting one-liner. He said, Any, these are the words, anybody who changes their religion, does so because they haven't understood their own. <laughs> and they get a nice, generous attitude uh, in this world of kind of conversion. No, no, we have to explore deeply. Standing meditation, another really like the Sangha of the Trees, as I mentioned, helps us to have deep roots. There are plenty of opportunities in the daily life for standing uh, meditation and I may say just with myself um, I'm waiting uh, on the uh, platforms for uh, uh, the train sometimes in Britain don't turn up apparently there are leaves on the line and that's the end of the train service mm -hmm. so autumn time is 
there's, there's more uncertainty with our trains. I never quite understood why. And um, so sometimes down on the platform, a bit further down, just do my standing meditation. Or I just do slow walking meditation. You know, and as quite often with these things, initially, one is a little bit self-conscious. And then after doing it once or twice, one just couldn't care less what other people are thinking. It's just doing one standing meditation or walking meditation, five or ten metres uh, uh, up, up and down there. So lots of situations, you're waiting for somebody who doesn't turn up, so you've got more time for practice, standing meditation or many other things. Really make the postures a real grounding presence for you. And here we are concentrating on it. Here we're saying this is our daily timetable. And then the fourth one, very precious, which at 12 o'clock today, you can engage in here if you wish, or elsewhere, is the horizontal uh, posture. Uh, Or it can be standing in here uh, from the 12 to 12.30 period of time. And again, with the horizontal posture, there's the kind of formal posture, which is lying uh, on one's uh, back, you may use a pillow or a knot, as you uh, wish, and just to be completely still and to experience the whole length of the body just lying still in its own stillness. If the energy is flowing well, it's easier to stay present, to be conscious and alert. If you're feeling tired, the eyes can be kept open, you look up up at the ceiling if you're indoors. And if you're still fading a little bit, sometimes people just uh, put the fingers pointing up. If the energy drops, the hand and the energy in the fingers will begin to drop. It's a signal uh, uh, there. And so with the flow of the day, we're saying in the form of mindfulness, the concentration, really to make each of the postures valid, work for you. This is your life. This is our life. We live in this world of the form of sitting, walking, standing and reclining and sometimes moving uh, uh, in, in, in between. And with the practice to watch as well to, oh, and to appreciate the benefit, the calmness of the view, really listening to what is and observing and noticing what is taking place. And if we make it a real in our time that we have it a really full day. And when you leave the hall, that means the meditation hall here. What happens on the other side of these doors is just as important as when the Sangha meets in the hall here. Sometimes people are very committed to the sitting meditation and find how easy one can kind of be drifting around there 
looking at one's fingernails and toenails, staring in the mirror, middle, in the mirror, daydreaming, trying to make up our mind, do I need a coffee or don't I, or whatever it might be. Uh, catch the mind. Catch it in its drift. Sometimes if there's a lot of drifting in the mind, we're not going to be able to handle the realities very well. We're not going to be prepared because we've been drifting around. And it's not to put a lot of effort into this. It's not about putting a lot of pressure. It's about taking interest. It's an interest in being alive. It's an interest in the small things of daily life. It's interest that's the key. Not willpower, not forcing yourself. And out of and the interest in life puts an end to the drifting. Sitting, walking, standing and reclining. All right, enough. <laughs> Thank you for lending an ear. <laughs> Let's have a few minutes of, uh, guess what, sitting meditation together. <laughs>